0: Welcome to Personal Finance, Dakota, where we talk everything money related, savings, budgeting, investing, stocks, bonds, real estate, get your money
1: right.
2: Right, everyone the time is now 5:05 so we're going to officially get started so good evening everyone and thank you for joining us my name is Janicia Doris Brinson and for some reason my name says Cameron so I'm going to change that on the screen <laughs> and welcome i'm going to turn it over to Mr. Brian Ferguson and he's going to go ahead and do our kickoff oh before we do that Mr. Johnson have a couple of announcements
3: afternoon, everyone. My name is Howard Johnson. For those of you who don't know, I am a financial counselor and chief executive officer of Young Money Solutions. And we are very happy to have each and every one of you here with us. Just have a few brief announcements to make. Um, the first one is that part three, the final installment of this investing for beginners series is gonna be in January. And once we have concluded with part three in February, what we're gonna be doing is uh, going back to the beginning because this three part series was by um, demand. Some of those uh, persons who will be on here today had requested that we do this investing series for them. But we're gonna go back to the beginning and we're gonna do a 15 part presentation series where we're gonna begin at the beginning from uh, your money mindset, intro to personal finances, we're gonna do saving, we're gonna do um, reducing spending, uh, managing debt, and everything in between, investing, investing for retirement. So we have an entire robust uh, program um, that's gonna have uh, 15 or 16 um, presentation lessons for us. So we look forward to having you in all of those as well. And they're gonna be done once a month, starting in February and usually the third week of the month. So we are uh, are gonna be excited and happy to have you all join us during those times as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Johnson. Um, Can I get the PowerPoint loaded up on the screen please? And while we're doing that, everybody, we just wanted to wish you happy holidays, happy new year, in case we don't see some of you. (laughs) Um, Thank you for joining us again. If this is your first time, thank you for coming. If this is your second time, thank you for coming back. Uh, We also want to notify you that we're actually recording the audio of this uh, session. So this will be a repurposed for a podcast that we're putting out. Uh, However, if you're not comfortable with speaking or your your voice being heard on the recording, if you do speak, we could edit it out. Just let us know afterward and we can handle that for you. Uh, Also, feel free to share your faces so we can see those nice smiley faces. If not, no issues. Don't worry about it at all. All right. So uh, today's session is called uh, Investing 101 Roadmap for Beginners Part 2. Like Mr. Johnson said, we did part one uh, last month. So this is a second session. Next slide, please. So also, before we actually get started, there's a disclaimer that we have to share with you guys. I'll go ahead and read that. Uh, The content shared during this presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. Young Money Solutions Incorporated is a nonprofit organization and does not provide financial, tax or investment advice. Any information shared is for the sole purpose of educating and informing our audience. So who exactly, uh, what exactly is Young Money Solutions? And again, if you, you missed it before, we're gonna give it to you again. So first of all, we are a registered nonprofit organization here in Tampa, Florida. Uh, our mandate is to help create a financial literate population. We primarily serve in low income and minority communities and our end goal is to produce semi-experts in money management. We want to help individuals make better financial decisions and adopt positive financial behaviors and actions in the future. So just a little more with the whole young money solutions name and whatnot. Uh, we, like, we like to say there's you know, three types of money, old money, young money, and new money uh so the old money these are people like jp morgan john d rockefeller you know these are individuals that has that produce generational wealth you know their great grandkids uh are still millionaires and to be honest in a few generations they probably still would be millionaires because of what they what they started um for those of you i know we have some visitors from the bahamas this would be the equivalent of what we call the bay street boys in the bahamas those individuals that have established themselves Uh, a very long time ago financially. Next slide, please. After the old money, we said, you know, there's there's a new money. You know, these are the individuals that didn't have a John D. Rockefeller. No, these are individuals like LeBron James, Mark Zuckerberg, individuals that became wealthy uh, off their talents, whether it be through basketball, technology or even inventions. You know, so these are the, the new money guys. Jeff Bezos would also be one of those individuals that fall into this category. And then you have young money. Young money is pretty much everybody else, <laughs> uh, ourselves included. You know, these are the day-to-day workers, the carpenters, the teachers, the Uber drivers, the the counselors. You know, these are the individuals that would fall in this category. And we call this young money. Now, the thing with uh, the, the new money and the old money is that those individuals have accumulated lots of wealth, right? And the thing is they have financial counselors, they have advisors, they have, they have money where they can pay for that type of stuff. They don't necessarily have to be financially literate person, you know, um, however, those ones that are young money, well, it would benefit us so much more to be able to become financially literate. You know, when you look at, you know, most of us, I know myself personally, I didn't grow up having any of those things. And as a result, I'm still playing catch up. So the whole goal is basically to play financial catch-up <laughs> as best as you can. And this is why we do what we do. So just a quick recap of what we uh, spoke about last time. And again, if you missed it, no worries, there'll be another time to go back to that. Uh, but some of the things we talked about last time was the stock market, you know, is it a it's an organized exchange. Um, we talked about the many reasons to invest. We talked about the determinant and investing philosophy. We talked about the three major indexes or indices, depending, depending on if you want to be fancy or not. And uh, we also had a list of investing terms to basically teach us the ABCs of financial literacy. And again, if you missed those, there'll be, it'll be, it'll be other times for us to go back and recap that further in detail. Um, but again, we'll just move forward to what we have today.
3: All right. Thank you, Brian. Um, before we get started and get into the entire presentation about investing Um, as personal finance experts and financial counselors, we would be remiss if we didn't encourage you to develop a diversified financial plan. Yes, this presentation is about investing um, per se, um, this entire three-part series, but uh, our recommendations from Young Money Solutions is that each and every one of you have a diversified financial plan. And what that means is in addition to investing for the short or long-term or both, we uh, encourage you to have savings goals, uh, goals for uh, saving money um, in the short and long-term as well. We're gonna discuss that a little bit further down in the presentation, but we want you to be saving for certain financial goals as part of a diversified financial plan and we also want you those of you that that do and can particularly here in the United States to be saving and investing for retirement um, either personally or in your workplace um, retirement plans if possible and those of you in the Bahamas uh, still have like pensions and stuff those are still available so you wouldn't have access to 401ks and stuff but Um, The the whole point of of this slide is for us to encourage you to have a diversified financial plan and to not just focus entirely on investing per se. All right, moving right along. So we emailed everybody a sheet of investing terms. And so we'd like for everybody to uh, take a look at that right now, some definitions. And we're gonna go over just a few of them just so we can familiarize ourselves. Hopefully you guys were good students and looked at it from, it was emailed out to you. But if not, uh, let's rip and roll and just look at a few of them before we keep moving along. So the first definition we're gonna look at is securities. Securities are assets suitable for investment like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and real estate. So there are like so many terms um, that are used in the industry. Um, to really signify stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and real estate. So securities is one. Then they call them individually, stocks, bonds, blah, blah, blah. They also call them equities. They also call them investments. So there's like a bunch of terms that are thrown out and could get confusing, but you know they all mean the same thing. So security is the same as a stock or an equity or an investment, they're used interchangeably. So. Um, Don't freak out uh, when you hear that, but you have the sheet so you can keep abreast of what's going on. The next thing we're going to look at is risk. Risk is the probability that over time or permanently, your investments will lose value. Whenever it comes to investing, knowing what risk is, is always important. And we're going to get into that in much more detail during the course of this presentation. But risk is about Time, just keep that in mind, risk and time. The next thing we're gonna look at is volatility. Volatility is the constant and sometimes rapid fluctuations in the price of your investments over time. So what does this mean? Uh, Many of you might have looked at um, CNBC and you've seen those tickers up on the walls at, at the New York Stock Exchange and you see these numbers Keep moving in real time, very rapidly and quickly. So what that means is, um, the price of the investments, the stocks and and stuff that you see up there on those screens, they're not static, they're not stationary. They're always changing over time. So every three seconds, um, when the stock market is open, those numbers keep moving. The prices of the stocks and bonds and whatever have you keep moving, and that's volatility. So Volatility is the spread, how it keeps going up and down. One minute, Apple price could be $126, and the next minute it could be $90. So that's volatility, keeps moving up and down. The next thing we're going to look at is diversification. And this is a risk management strategy that mixes a wide variety of investments within a portfolio. You might have seen it in commercials, seen it on TV. We've said it here, especially in in the first presentation. We've said that diversification, and I also said it on one of the previous slides, it's just not putting your eggs in, uh, it's putting all all of your eggs in one basket, okay? So what that means is you got to have a mixture of stocks and bonds and ETFs and all of these other investments. Instead of If you're investing, instead of saying, okay, I got $1,000, I'm going to put $1,000 into Apple stock. That's not diversification. You just have one investment. So if God forbid something happens to Apple and you're not diversified and Apple as a company goes under, you just lost all of your money. But if you had Apple and Amazon, AT&T, Verizon, um, and some other stocks, if Apple goes under, you have more stuff in your basket that would keep you afloat and you would just lose that one investment. And then we're gonna talk about portfolio. Portfolio is a collection of investments assembled to meet your investment goals. So the portfolio is basically the account that you're gonna have. And we'll talk about that later too. And in your, in your portfolio, is this diversified basket of investments that you're gonna have. All right, and right, we'll do one more. Capital gain. Capital gain is the net income received from the sale of an asset above the cost incurred to purchase and sell it. So if you buy Apple stock at $126 and you own 10 shares, and the that stock appreciates to $180, The spread between your 126 to your 180 is your capital gains, okay? So in part three, we'll get into that a little bit more, but it's just the appreciation and value of your investment above and beyond what you initially purchased for, all right? So those are our investing terms, and you can feel free on your own time to look at the rest and remember and educate yourself about them. Moving right along, some things to do before you begin investing. These are some very important questions for anybody as a beginner investor, especially if you are in the young money crew, okay? Those of us who are nine to five average workers, we don't have millions and gazillions of dollars passed down from generation to generation for us to play with and have fun. Um, we have to ask ourselves some very pertinent questions before we begin investing. The first one, do you have an emergency fund? Do you have an emergency fund? This is a fund that is set up to uh, be tapped into if you have an emergency. Um, And so at Young Money Solutions, we recommend that everybody begin funding an emergency fund, period. Before you invest, before you do anything, um, you should be um, working to fund an emergency fund. $5 a week, $10 a week, $20 a month, whatever you can afford, you need to have an emergency fund. Number two, are you saving for other priorities? Example, um, other savings priorities would be a Be Ready Fund. That's what we call it at Young Money Solutions. A Be Ready Fund is a fund that has non-emergency savings priorities. So what are you saving for? Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe you're saving um, for an anniversary with your spouse. Maybe you're saving for your kid's college. Maybe you have a rent or mortgage fund that you don't want money to come out of um, your paycheck every month and gut your paycheck to pay your rent or your mortgage. So you take a little bit of money out every month in advance and put that in a fund that's specifically for your rent or your mortgage. These are the other savings priorities we hope you are funding as well. Then you gotta ask yourself the question, when I start investing, am I willing to research? Am I willing to put in the time to access the information, to watch the news, um, to look at the TV and see what's going on with these companies and these investments that I have put my hard-earned money in? You have to follow them and you have to be watching what's going on, what products they're selling, what their debt load is, what's their cash flow. These are the things that you're gonna have to be paying attention to because you've invested with these companies. And then you gotta ask yourself, am I willing to start small? Are you a person who can look at your um, account and say, wow, I only got $100. You know, Warren Buffett and them got 80 and $90 billion. And little old me sitting over here with just $100 in my investing account. You gotta have the fortitude and the wear it all And the patience to say, you know, I'm willing to start small and um, this is a little bit of money. This is young money. I got in my account right now, but I know that over time it's going to expand and it's going to grow. And then you got to ask yourself, am I willing to invest on a regular basis? Are you willing to make this commitment to automate or to manage, you know, through self control and take this money out of your paycheck every week, every two weeks? Every month, are you willing to do that on a regular basis to ensure that you are funding the investment account or the investment accounts that you uh, you have set up? And then finally, for this slide, um, are you willing to benefit from the employer match in uh, workplace retirement accounts? That's what a 401k and a 403b is. So, an employer match is free money. Uh, in workplace employment plans, um, employees employees are, uh, are able to contribute to these plans, and the employer sometimes offers a match, 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%. So whatever you put in, they put in up to a certain percentage, and they put that in free to you. So this is something that you have to be benefiting from free money before you start investing on your own. Make sure that you are investing to get the free money from your employer. So that's important as well. All righty, moving right along. Investment philosophy. We touched on this one uh, briefly in the first presentation, the first part of our three-part series, and. In your investment philosophy, one of the first things you have to do is look at your age. And your investment philosophy is basically um, talking about uh, what, what is your frame of mind? What are you going to do in terms of holding a portfolio and executing as an investor? What is my thinking? You know, What, what do I want my investing life to look like in simplest terms? Well, the first thing you got to do is ask yourself or look at your age. Uh, Most younger investors have a longer time. And so that kind of shapes their perspective in terms of their investing philosophy, okay? Older investors, they may have a different viewpoint. Someone who is 75 may have a different investment philosophy than someone who's 25, okay? And then you got to ask yourself, do I have the temperament? Do I have the temperament to be an investor? Okay. I remember a couple of years ago, I assisted a friend of mine in setting up a rollover IRA account that we're going to talk about later in this in this presentation. And um, she was all excited and just you know happy. And about two three weeks after she set up that account. Uh, the stock market corrected, which means there was a drop of about 10%. And she saw that she had less money um, than she had put in a couple of weeks ago. And she completely freaked out. And she decided that she was going to pull out all of her money. Well, all of her money that was left because it was less than she had put in. So she actually lost money. So she did not have the temperament um, <laughs> or she had not developed that temperament so far, despite us having those conversations and me walking her through all of this. She did just did not possess at that time, the temperament um, to, to keep her skin in the game, so to speak. And then uh, risk tolerance, which is really similar to temperament. Are you willing to weather those ups and downs uh, of the stock market going back and forth, dropping and rising? Are you, willing to, um, are you willing to weather that? Are you risk tolerant or are you risk averse? Okay, and this is gonna also be a part of your investment philosophy. And then your time horizon, which ties into age. How long are you gonna be investing for? Some people invest for the short term. Some of the aggressive investors who are day traders, they invest and uh, they play the game, so to speak. So. I'm going to start with Apple this morning because I think, um, based on what's going on in the news by 3 PM, uh, Apple is going to be at a different price and it's going to be a higher price because there's some good news coming out about a new iPhone. So I'm going to buy, um, I'm going to buy these stocks at 9:30, And when that news hits at 10, by the time three o'clock rolls around, it's going to be a higher price and I'm going to make me some money today. So, um, those are the short term guys some people are investing for a longer term which means uh, retirement so 30 40 years down the road i expect that when i buy my apple stock at 125 dollars today by the time i retire in 30 years apple's going to be over a thousand dollars a share and i'm going to make a lot of money when i withdraw in retirement so that's um that's what your time horizon is about and then you have to determine what investments you're going to you're going to buy um, I'm the kind of guy who likes uh, to buy dividend um, dividend stocks, stocks that pay you dividends while you hold them. Chenisea does too. Brian is the kind of guy because he's a, uh, a a technology guy and he has a background in IT. He likes to buy a lot of those technology stocks. So, um, you know, what types of investments do you like to buy? All of this uh, forms and shapes your investment philosophy. All right. Types of investors. There are three main types of investors out there in the world. Conservative investors. These are folks who want low risk and they understand that they're going to get low returns, but their goal is to preserve their capital. Now, my friend who I used in the example a few slides ago, she probably should have committed to a conservative investing philosophy um, for the most part because. Clearly we proved that she was risk averse. She did not want to take a lot of risk. And so in a situation like this, a conservative investor is somebody who would probably want bonds uh, or uh, invest in a CD, um, safe, safe, safe investments that won't raise their blood pressure and give them a heart attack. Um, And then we go to moderate investors. These are folks that want to take some risk and they anticipate slow and steady growth and they expect long-term gain. And so these would be your persons who will be investing for 10, 20, 30 years, investing for retirement. And they would usually buy investments like the ones that I like, like uh, AT&T um, and some of those safer investments that are dividend payers, that um, that are slow and steady and growing, um, but there's long-term gain to gain to be had by having these investments. And then there are the aggressive guys, the day traders who I just uh, told you about, who are high, they take a lot of risk and they expect high returns and quick profits. So I'm gonna put my money in this morning and by this afternoon before the stock market closes, I'm gonna make a lot of money and dump dump some stock. And I expect that short-term gain. So they are gonna buy more risky investments. And for the most part, Um, They would buy the stocks, the high-flying stocks like the Squares and the uh, Amazons and the Netflix, um, uh, NVIDIA, stocks like that. And also the cryptocurrency investors, the guys that are buying the Bitcoin and the Ethereum um, and the uh, Ripple uh, and those kinds of investments, Chainlink, the cryptocurrency investors are definitely aggressive investors. All right. And so those three types of investors that we just talked about on the previous screen can also be lumped into these two categories of active versus passive investors, okay? Or investing. So the active investor would be someone who invests with or without professional help. They're gonna be consistently buying and selling. They're gonna conduct a lot of research um, because they need to be watching their investments all the time, because as the news changes, um, maybe their investment philosophy changes and they may need to get in and out of these investments they've purchased. So they got to monitor the news and their investments uh, continuously. And then they expect to beat the market. So because they're in and out quick and they're expecting you know, uh, uh, high gains, they, they, they believe that they're going to beat the market and they're going to invest in the Apples, the Teslas, the Nikes, and the Amazons. Now, passive investors are those that are DIY. They only do it yourself in terms of setting it up. And once they set it up, they're going to utilize the buy and hold approach. So this requires little to no research is hands off and its long term, but um, And they don't have to do much other than open the account because the computer based algorithm is going to take care of everything for them. And Janice is going to talk about that later. So what they're trying to do is just match the return of the market as the market goes. So will their portfolio goes. And so these kinds of investors will usually be um, investing in what they call an S&P 500 index fund or an S&P 500 ETF or mutual fund. Um, So that's active and passive investing. All right. And so we've talked about all of these things, philosophy, type of investor. Here's where you go when you want to buy some of these things. When you decide that you're going to be an investor, then you got to go to one of these uh, third party financial services companies because they're going to be the middleman between you and what you purchase and sell. So some of you might know some of these names. Fidelity Investments that myself, Janicia, and Brian do our personal investing with. And I think Brian's workplace retirement account, he wouldn't mind me saying it, is also through Fidelity. Then there's Charles Schwab. I know you guys will see the commercials, Talk to Chuck. Um, Merrill Edge, which is a part of Bank of America right now. Interactive Brokers and E-Trade. Uh, as well as TD Ameritrade, they're usually um, the favorites of the day traders. You know, they like those because they have um, great technical analysis, uh, charts and stuff like that. So they like those three for that kind of stuff. And Ally Invest um, is also uh, one of them. And Robinhood, uh, those of you out there who know about robo-advisors, you know you know about Robinhood. That's one of the most popular robo advisors out there. So you got to choose your platform and determine which one of these brokerage firms you're going to use to buy and sell your investments. All right, now we're getting to the meat of it, the investing accounts. So there are a couple different types of investing accounts um, out there in the investing space. There are workplace retirement accounts, okay, like 401ks. Some of you out here might have heard about these. There's the 401k, There's the 403B, the 457, and the TSP. Get into those a little bit later. Then, so those are workplace retirement. Then there's individual retirement. What's the difference? So workplace retirement, um, the workplace retirement are done through your employer and individual retirement. Sometimes people don't wanna use their workplace retirement accounts because the investments are terrible. A lot of them have terrible investments. And so nobody wants to deal with that. So they go to individual accounts where they can select their investments themselves. And Janice will talk about that a little later. Under there, you got traditional IRA, Roth, rollover. There's a ton more, custodial IRA, SEP IRA, uh, and a bunch of them under there, but we're going to focus on just a couple. And then there's a taxable brokerage account, um, which is individual, can be an individual account or joint. um, And they're primarily used for, trading, Um, and then the robo-advisors that we just talked about, Robinhood, Stash, Betterment, Wealthfront um, are some of uh, those. All right. Moving right along. Taxable brokerage account. So I'm going to cover this one. The taxable brokerage account is a non-retirement account that is self-managed. And you can go online or you can call up Fidelity tomorrow or Charles Schwab and you can say, I want to open a taxable brokerage account. You're going to select the investments in the in this particular account, and they're more flexible than the other retire than retirement accounts. Period, um, and most other accounts out there. And why? Because there are no income requirements. Some of the retirement accounts require that you um, abide by some kinds of limits as far as your contributions are concerned no such thing with the taxable brokerage account okay if you got a billion dollars and you want to open a taxable brokerage to buy stocks um and etfs um go right ahead if you got a million 20 million you can do that no income requirement all right um and there's no no monetary contribution uh requirement so you're not oh i can only put 50,000 a year in um and then I'm capped no uh, nothing to do with that You can put as much money as you want in there. There's no yearly limit. There's no penalty um, whenever you take out, which is the case with some retirement accounts, um, but you are taxed at the capital gains tax rate, and we're not going to get into taxes. We're going to save some of that for the next um, part three. All right? Take it away, Genesia.
2: All right. So now we have our workplace retirement. So for those of you all who um, probably have these options at your employment, you have a 401k, you have a 403b, you have a 457, you have a TSP. Um, So these these options are like we said, are available through your employer. They are pre pretext. That means this money comes out of your paycheck when you get paid before they calculate the taxes. So that means what what happen is that later on down the road, when you get a little bit older, and you can actually take your money out, that's when the government will tax you on that money. Um, the options for you to invest, there are options for you to invest that money, but usually those options are limited. And it's very important that you do your homework and your research to say, okay, yes, I decided to take a 403B or 401k, let me invest my money, but make sure you see how much fee, how much fees are being charged by those individual accounts that you're investing your money in. Um. Also, this is on a calendar year, so it goes from January to December. You can contribute $19,500 annually if you're under the age of 50. If you're over the age of 50, that means you can play catch up basically, and you can actually input a little bit more where you can put $6,500 more. So let's talk about the traditional IRA. So for your traditional IRA, this is also a pre-tax account. Once again, this is money that you put in before it's taxed, And when you retire, that's when they'll tax you. Um, it is self-managed. So basically that means you are in control of it. You get to say what you want to do with that money in the different accounts that you put them in. You, um, there's an income to contribute. So basically in order for you to contribute, you have to earn income. That's what I meant to say. So let's say you this you're a hair, you know you are a cosmetologist, you are a teacher. You are we'll use the kids. Some of the kids, they babysit as long as they um, have some type of employment, which in the case of the children, um, the teenagers, they get money from babysitting. They can actually open up a traditional IRA. Um, We want to make sure that they at least have um, a W-2 or something that can help them out along the way. A lot of these um, occupations are do provide you with that information. Um, Your contribution deadline is April 15th. For the prior tax year. So let's say in my case, I opened up my account pretty late. I was able to actually continue to put money in my account from 2019, even though we're in 2020. So you want to make sure you check. um, You can also continue to um, deposit money in there. So there are income limits for your contribution. The max contribution is $6,000. And once again, if you're over the age of 50, they still give you the opportunity to catch up. So you can add an extra $1,000 if you're over the age of 50. Oh, this is my favorite right here, the Roth IRA. So I'm gonna give y'all a little bit of background about me. When I was working, um, I used to work for a contractor for the um, working with youth. And I used to have, uh, what did we have back then? We had a 401k, Johnson. We had a 401k. So I ended up switching employers and I was, I didn't, you know, you don't know any better. So I was like, well, give me my money. At least I know I have my money and these people no longer have my money in their hands. So I was like, okay, do I cash it out? Do I spend it? What do I do? You know, when you're young, you don't have much education. You decide, let me spend my money, but I spend it on good things. I paid off debt. <laughs> Um, but what I would have, I can't say what I would advise, but what what I should have done, basically, I should have rolled that over into a Roth IRA. So Howard, this time around was like, okay, Janice, you, we about to open up this Roth IRA. So when he talked about the whole fidelity, um, I was able to actually open up one of those and start investing. I'm going to give you a little bit more background a little bit later on when we get to the robo. So with your Roth IRA, this money comes after it's taxed. So when I get paid, Instead of me saying, oh, I'm going to go ahead and deposit my money in my account. Nope, I told my job. I need you all to go ahead and take that money out right away and put it in that account for me. So that way I never see the money. So I can't spend the money and waste it and be like, oh man, I forgot to invest this week. So that money comes out. it's um, It goes in tax free because technically you already paid taxes on it also it's self-managed. So you'll be able to log into your account, um, do your weekly investments or bi-weekly, however you want to do it, make your investments. You can withdraw tax-free once you're in retirement. So if I withdraw now, I may have to pay for it. But as you know, with us being in this situation, we may not have to pay for it at this moment because of pandemic. However, on a normal basis, you would have to pay um, for it if you take your money out a little bit earlier. You must have earned income to contribute. Like once again, you need to have a job in order for you to contribute. The deadline is also April 15th. Like I said, I'm one of those people who need to catch up a little bit more. So I'm able to put in up until April 15th for the previous year. So like um, right now we're in what, 2020? Come April of next year, you have until now, until April of next year, 2021, to continue to add money into your 2020 pool. Okay. Then... There's also income limits, so the max you can contribute per calendar year is six thousand per year. Actually, it's not calendar, but per year is six thousand dollars. Once again, if you're over the age of fifty, you can go ahead and add a little bit more, extra thousand dollars. So with a rollover IRA, usually it's um you usually use this when there's a separate from your employment like I was saying if you had a 401k before you would have them roll it over to you Um, one way you can do that you can have them do a direct rollover or you can have them cut you a check you have about 60 days to get that check and actually place it into the new rollover account if you do not do that the government will tax you trust me when I say that taxation is not nice I do not like to lose my money so make sure that you go ahead and you move that money over within those 60 days. So it's 60 days for them to cut you the check and it's 60 days for you to deposit that check. All right. So Robert advisors. I know a lot of people on this call are like, I'm new to investing I don't know what I'm doing. Where do I start? This is so overwhelming. Trust me, I felt the same way. And Howard is one of those people, he likes to study, he likes to do his research, and he's giving me all this information, and I'm like, really, dude? Like, really? Okay. So, because my good friend Howard was very adamant about teaching me these things, we all got together, and it's a study, basically, it's a never-ending um, educational study opportunity. I decided to go ahead and try out Stash. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much on this website. But the more I use it on my phone, if you have an Apple, it shows up different than if you have an Android. We learned that the hard way. (laughs) But it's well worth it if you ask me. Um, These are automated investment platforms. Basically, I say every week I want $50 or $100 to go into my account. I'm able to pick what I want. At one point I had like Disney. My friend had Nike. Somebody else had McDonald's. So you get to pick and choose who you want to invest your money with. There's also a goals and risk tolerance questionnaire. So it basically asks you a couple of questions. What are are you interested in? Um, How much risk do you want to take? This way they can kind of pre-populate some uh, portfolio accounts for you. So that way you can say, this is what I want to invest my money in. If you don't like the ones they give you, you can select your own. So don't feel as if you have to take what they populate for you based on that questionnaire. So consists of pre-construct, we already talked about the um, the index funds. So all of these come from the index funds. Um, if you ever pull up your phone and you, or look at a newspaper, you see all the different stock markets and they show you the ups and the downs and what the green means, what the red means. Those are your ETF funds. Um, full automated means low cost and um, fees for investors. So basically, when you do it this way you're not paying a lot of fees and you're not you know you're not shedding out all this extra money that you don't have to it's very easy to use and like i said it is great for new investors next slide please so we're going to watch this video on robo advisors um that just so you can have a little bit of a little bit more of an understanding of what the advisors actually do
0: Robo-advisors are automated
3: platforms for delivering some of the best practices that human financial and investment advisors have developed over the years. But how do robo-advisors actually work? Each platform is different, but investing through a robo-advisor generally starts with a questionnaire about your goals, timeline, and sensitivity to risk. Then the robo-advisor will pair you up with a curated portfolio that matches your needs and preferences. Once you've funded your account, the robo-advisor continuously monitors your portfolio. As the individual assets in your portfolio rise and fall along with the market, robo-advisors will look for opportunities to buy or sell investments to keep everything in the proportions that will help keep you on
0: track to achieve your goals. All All right, so
2: hopefully that shared a little bit of light. So once again, um, we would like to encourage you based on the information that you learned from today is if you're interested in investing, make sure you have a diversified financial plan. Like Howard said, make sure all of your eggs are not in one basket. Um, you also want to understand the investing terms. So we sent that over to you. There's a whole lot of Google YouTube videos you can watch. Just make sure that you educate yourself. Know your priorities. Make sure you list down what you have to prioritize before you get into investing. Um, Have an investing philosophy. Understand the types of investors. Understand the different investing platforms and select the one that works best for you. Don't say, well, my sister has this or my friend has this. Let me do it too. Um, What worked for me may not work for you. So make sure you find the one that works best for you. Also understand the type of investment accounts that you're going into, whether it's an IRA a Roth IRA, 401k, 403b, um, the 457, you name it, understand it. All right. So at this time, I'm going to turn the floor over to Mr. J.
1: Good evening, everybody. So that was uh, a lot of information. It was great information. Hopefully you guys have something to take away from this. So at this point, in time, I want to open up any questions or answers that you might have.
2: All right. So let me start from the top. So um, I'm going to start with the comments first and then I'm going to go into the question. I like the fact that um, young lady Shay said, "Um, I like that you can that you included temperament as a factor. Um, and it's funny, we. she said this because she, her mom thinks that, you know, based on her age, she's taking too much risk. But let's be real. Like she said, you know, I'm young, I have time. So and my response to her was, yeah, whatever you lose at that moment, you'll get it back later on. Um, so you want to take your time and don't get scared because the market will fluctuate. Then she said, um, I did research on some of these things after our last presentation last month. And Vanguard sounds good, but they have a $1,000 minimum to get started. So, yes, that's why we said research your platform, because some places do require a minimum. I know um, Fidelity, which is what we use, they don't require a minimum. Um, Stash didn't require a minimum. Robinhood, I don't think they require a minimum. So do your research to see what works best for you. Um, Not everybody have $1,000 sitting there, so you don't have to invest it all at one time.
3: Uh, let's see, when is a good time to get into the market? Well, um, in, in this industry, a lot of the experts like to say, um, today is a good time to get into the market, but the best time to get in was yesterday. So basically, uh, what that means is you start where you start, you know, today is as good of a day as any day. The best time was yesterday um, and the reason why is especially if you have a long time horizon if you're gonna be doing this for 10, 15, 20 years and this is something you know um, we plan on doing so we're, that's what we're saying. we are investing for the long term and um, the longer you invest if you go back and you look at the stock market um, and its growth, over the last 100 years, it's grown at about 10% um, <clears throat> per year over the last 90 years. And so the longer you're investing, um, the more you are going to make at the end of the day as an investor. So um, today is the best time because <laughs> years from now, barring any real crazy stuff happening, um, you can guarantee that. Most things you invest in as far as stocks, index funds, mutual funds, ETFs, the price will be significantly higher than they, the prices will be uh, much higher than they are today. That's just been the trend line um, in the stock market over the last hundred years.
1: And just to piggyback off of that Howard, as far as uh, when is a good time, doing your research and looking at some of these things before you jump in, Cause you don't want to get in on something that may be going down and tanking at the time. Of course, you're going to jump in and, and when it's losing. So you want to do your research. But again, like we said, at the beginning, it fluctuates, but do your research, look at some of the things that you want to invest in and just see if, if it's in a good steady place, jump in, but no time like the present.
3: And start right. And, and Jay, that's a great point. And start with what, you know, um, what, what are things that are popular and that you use? Like no one's saying Apple can't um, Apple is like the biggest company in the world, right? Something major and colossal will have to happen for Apple to fail. But this thing right here, that's an iPhone. This is now a utility. It's a way of life. Everybody has a smartphone. So when you do your research and you think, you know, just use common sense, somebody's always going to have these And so, because this is familiar and this is already branded in our lives, you can say, I know what Apple is about. I'm going to invest in Apple. Okay. Now, everybody on this, uh, Zoom presentation right now, I don't think a lot of you know what Nikola is, right? And that's a stock that's brand new, right? Pretty much just IPO this year. Someone could call you and say, I got a hot tip for you. Go and invest in Nikola. But you don't know anything about it. And you and, and that stock has tanked significantly since it IPO'd in June, June to now. And so if you would put your money in there, I mean, I I know folks that have gone with that and they're now out of the market because they got burned. So you got to do your research. We can't overemphasize that enough. You have to do your research. And and one other thing I want to say, folks who are in the Bahamas, um, we know that investing, per se, like in the United States and through Fidelity and stuff, we know that you guys can um, invest. Uh, but it's so great for you to be here. And some of the other um, topics that we're going to cover will be better for you um, uh, in the future in terms of the saving and managing debt and stuff. But this is great, too, that you're on here now. And here's why. because Financial technology and technology in general is advancing at such a rapid pace. In the next few years, this entire thing is gonna open up. Right now, folks in the Bahamas could invest in crypto. Um, Pretty soon, you're gonna see everybody across the globe being able to invest in stock markets everywhere. So you will have access to the US stock markets, the Canadian, the London Stock Exchange, the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, So this, having this information in advance, I just want you all to know, I appreciate you guys being there 242 for life, but keep paying attention to this stuff because you would already be ahead of the game when the chips fall.
1: All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and read the next question in there from uh, Crystal Brown. And the question is, how would you get into a Roth IRA, excuse me, IRA, and what company would be best?
3: All right. So um, first of all, there's a couple of questions you gotta ask yourself, getting too rough. Number one, am I currently employed? Because you have to have earned income. This is like the best, uh, like Janice said, she loves, we all love this account. This is, this is basically an account that says, whatever money you put in today, however much that account grows in the future, When you grab your money, when you old and gray, you don't owe Uncle Sam a dime. So if you end up putting $50,000 in a Roth IRA and 30 years from now, it's worth a million and you only put 50 grand in, you can withdraw a million and don't owe anybody any taxes. But you got to have earned income. We can't tell you where to open that banks. You can open a Roth IRA at at certain banks. You can open with any of those platforms that we had up um, a little earlier, uh, Fidelity, Schwab, Robinhood, um, Vanguard, et cetera, et cetera. We can't tell you exactly where to open that up, but I can tell you that myself, Genesia and Brian, we are with Fidelity. Fidelity Investments is a great brokerage firm. Their customer service is excellent. Um, their uh, user interface is very easy to uh, understand. Uh, it's very functional. So that's what we use, but you just need to have earned income. You can only put $6,000 in a year if you're under uh, 50 years old. Um, and, uh, and you just have to have, like we said earlier, Um, Are you willing to do this on a regular basis? Are you willing to do your research? And you, because you're going to be responsible for choosing what stocks or ETFs or index funds go in there. Okay. So I hope that answers the question.
1: All right. Next we have Gerard, excuse me. And Gerard's question is, do you think it's a good idea to open an IRA account for my kids?
3: Tanisha?
2: This was a huge debate because I was trying to figure out the same thing for my kids as well. Um, I would say a Roth IRA. And usually you can do a parent's account um, to where you actually are the owner of the account. And you can monitor and put the money in for your children. Howard may have a different suggestion.
3: Right. Have, so you yeah. Can you, can use the cu- you can use the custodial um, IRA. You can use the Roth you have to be careful with opening a straight Roth for your kids. Not saying that it happens and not giving you financial advice, but just educating and saying, remember the requirement is earned income. Now, if your kids are washing dishes and you giving them $10 a week, according to the IRS, that's not earned income. If your daughter is 16 years old and she's babysitting for the neighbors, you can get away with saying your daughter has earned income. So that's the key. It has to be earned income. It can't be cutting grass money, washing dishes money. So I'm gonna open an IRA for my kid. All right.
1: All right, and the next one we have from Lady K. And Lady K says good night for persons who live in other countries that don't offer 401ks. What would your suggestion? Um, what would you suggest as an option? I know you kind of touched on that a little earlier, Howard. So I don't know if that answered your question, Lady K. But I don't know if you want to touch on it again. For her.
3: well, um, I know in the Bahamas, I've been seeing um, in the Bahamas that they've been doing some investment stuff lately. Brian and I have been been watching. They're not anything comparable to the, the stock exchange here. I know they have the bisics over there, the Bahamas, um, stock exchange. Uh, you know, it's not, yeah, it ain't much to be honest, but I know that through Island luck, they've been offering, um, some income, some fixed income based investments that you're trying to do a little something, but, uh, it's nothing major. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's not, there's, if you, if you, if you are from someone who's from the Bahamas, there's not much in the way of investing in pure plays unless, and this is what, this is what I do not like about our industry, Royal Fidelity up there on East Hill street. If you have $500,000 or more in the Bahamas, somebody in Royal Fidelity next to government house wants to talk to you. Okay, those are the only people in the Bahamas who can really invest in the stock market here. You have to have a whopping five hundred grand or more for someone to let you in that building. And you can buy all the Apple, all the ETFs, all the mutual funds you want. If you are someone in the Bahamas who does not have a social security number and residency or citizenship in the United States. And I think there's something fundamentally wrong with that. And I am hoping and praying that, like I say, as as the financial technology and the world changes, I'm hoping that um, more Bahamians will have access to the opportunities to build wealth and we can begin making a serious dent in wealth inequality through the use of investments um, and the like.
0: Yeah, one one thing I was gonna say too is, uh... I haven't researched this yet, but I thought about it. Uh, you might want to look into seeing if there's a possibility to invest in the Canadian stock market. Um, you'd probably have to just do some research for Canadian stock brokers. Uh, and most of the websites will tell you if you're eligible or not. Or you could just call them basically to find out if you're able to do that. Because there are a lot of big companies in Canada as well, you know. A lot of the bigger ones actually trade on the US stock market. So that's actually something that you might you know, why I want to look into. And if you have success with that, just let us know so we could pass that information on to more people.
1: Yes, good stuff, Brian. Uh, the next one we have uh, Miss Williams says, I know what Dave Ramsey says, but how much do you recommend for an emergency savings fund?
2: Oh, let me take that question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Outside of a pandemic, we would say typically an emergency fund should be at least a thousand dollars in case the tire pop, in case the water main you know the water heater breaks, the AC breaks down. At least you have that thousand dollars to cushion you. Now, in light of this, and then after your thousand dollars, then you should have anywhere from three to six months. In light of this pandemic, it has shown us how many of us don't even have a basic savings, and you know a thousand dollars sound like a lot to be honest with you. Even if you start off with $100, which eventually becomes $500, which becomes $1,000, every little bit counts. Dave Ramsey philosophy um, is very interesting. Some of us would agree with all of his steps and some of us wouldn't, but I do agree with the $1,000 emergency fund at least. And given this pandemic that we've been in, a lot of us have been very fortunate to keep our current employers or obtain other employment. And some people have not been as fortunate. And in that case, you're going to need at least a year worth of savings and that is hard to do in this world that we live in but it is doable every little bit counts five dollars two dollars the coins it helps every little bit helps Mm
1: -hmm. yes good stuff all right so she basically has uh, also just some information in here if anyone else is on reddit there are a lot of personal finance subreddits they are not professionals, but it's a great way to get more familiar with the terms and see the reasoning behind financial decisions. Uh, she says she's learning so much about taxes right now as everyone prepares for the end of the year. So yes, thank you for sharing that, Miss Williams. Uh, next, we have Miss Crystal Brown again. She says, "Can I go through my employer?" And when you say, "Can you go through your employer?" I'm assuming that you're following up with your initial question about the Roth IRA.
3: No, so, the Roth, uh, oh, sorry. You, no, you,
2: go ahead, go uh,
3: ahead. The, yeah, the Roth IRA is a personal account. You, that's, it's, it's, it's an individual retirement account. And the emphasis is on individual. You as the individual would have to engage the financial services company like the Fidelity or the Schwab. And you would have to go through the process of opening funding and purchasing an, an investments for that account. So that's different from your 401k or 403b, okay? So Roth IRA is all you. Once you've defined or or once you've determined um, that you meet the income requirements, um, you earn income, so you are working, then you're eligible um, to fund the IRA, but it's all you.
2: And then what I was saying earlier was that when you do decide to open up your Roth IRA, um, you can have your employer take the money out before that paycheck actually hits your personal bank account. So you can say, hey, I want you to direct deposit into my checking account, but I also want you to deposit into my Roth IRA account. And they can put the money there so they can split your paycheck for you.
3: Right. So to follow up with that, the you said when you open your Roth IRA, you're going to have a, the routing number. And then you're going to have an account number, just like with your regular checking account or your savings account. So once you open that account, you can then go to your HR or if you have the um, automated platform um, at your job, you can just go in and just plug in your numbers and check how much funds you want to go in there on that re- at that regular interval, right? So. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty easy. You just have all of the information available to you and just automate automate automate.
1: All right, good stuff. Next we have where to go? Let's back up a little bit from Gerard. When I do my research, what do you recommend we look at in our research? Cost of stock, age of stock, etc. Take that one, Brian. So I said again, my my thing was my thing was glitching What was I saying? That's okay. So Gerard asked, when I do my research, what do you recommend we look at in our research? Cost of stock, the age of the stock. Excuse me, stock or etc. Oh yeah, you know I love these stocks, man. <laughs> so it's interesting.
0: So I'm a I'm a technical trader. So in all honesty, I look I look for stocks that are healthy. You know, I, I don't necessarily uh, invest in IPO stocks, uh, stocks that are tanking. Uh, I pretty much stock, you know, I pretty much only trade in, and health, what I call healthy stocks. Like, I, like how I talked about, like, it gotta be an Apple. It gotta be a, a Tesla. It gotta be, uh, AT&T. It gotta be Amazon. You know what I mean? Um, because I mean, you don't necessarily take, again, there's a risk involved, right? So as much as you could reduce the risk, the better for you to, in the long run, you know? Um, so like me and Howard always talk, we are, always talking about stocks. One thing we always say is that a lot of times we feel that like we missing out on something, you know, they say FOMO fair of missing out. But the reality is there, like thousands of stocks out there. You know, we only, we only know, but the sexy stocks, that's what we call them. You
3: <laughs> know, <And then laughs> the apples,
0: the Teslas. But there's like thousands of healthy stocks that you can make money on. So, you know, so that's what I, that's what, that's what we recommend. Like just looking for, again, healthy, like at the age of it, um, if you want to do the, if you, if you don't mind reading, you can read all the, all the, um, all the paperwork with the profits and loss statements, if you're into that type of stuff. Um, but I kind of take, I kind of take the shortcut. Uh, yeah. But you want the technical analysis.
2: That's funny. And Howard said it earlier. Too. So he hopefully, knows.
0: hopefully it answer your question.
2: Mm-hmm. I wanted to add to you, Brian. I, I also
0: saw a cryptocurrency question that I want to answer that
2: too. Are you still frozen? Okay, I think you unfroze for me now.
0: (laughs) Oh, you know, I get it. I get I'm good now. I'm good now.
2: Okay. So I wanted to add to what you were saying about um, the stocks like doing your research. Howard said it best earlier. Start off with what you know, with what you actually buy. Every day we have to go to Walmart, every day we have to go to Publix, every day. Well, not every day, but maybe once or twice. Um, within a year we might have to get either ourselves or a kid, a laptop, a new phone. So think about the basic things that you actually use. Like if you're a sneakerhead, you would probably want to go buy some Nike, stuff like that. So we're not once again, we're not telling you what to actually buy. Just think about what you actually um, purchase for yourself and then start off there. That way you can actually get into it. You understand, well, I already spent my money here. Why not invest in it and get a return on what I'm actually spending my money on? All right.
0: And you can even start with the industry that you work in, you know, and that's kind of why I lean so much towards the technology, because I work at a fintech company. So I look at financial, you know, financial stocks as well as technical stocks,
1: you know. Awesome. Good information, guys. Excellent. Uh, next, we have uh, Lady K saying thank you and that she's looking and trying to learn more and more about the cryptocurrencies available. And Brian, you said you Ooh, wanted let to- me get that yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, let me get that one, man. Let me get that one. <laughs> so,
0: so I so just to back up a little bit. So, I actually I actually took a class in basically how to trade the stock market a couple of years ago. And the reality is that once you're able to, once you understand trading in stocks. It's the same thing for oil. It doesn't matter what the commodity is. So I have the opportunity to make and lose money in almost everything, you know, futures, uh, cryptocurrencies, stocks, bonds, ETFs, REITs, uh, beans. I even trade soy, I did some soy beans, oranges, all kinds. I mean, if it's a commodity, if it's a commodity, you could actually trade it on the stock. You could actually, <laughs> there's a stock exchange for that, you know? Um, so the thing is with the cryptocurrency, I would say, Trying not to get, trying not to get so much too involved with the hype. Trying not to get too, you know, all again the whole fear of missing out is what people fear, right? But the cryptocurrency is something that's very complex. It's also very new, so the best thing that we would say, again, just you know, this is educational purposes only, right? Is again just start with what you know. Like you know Apple, you know Tesla, you know Ford. I wouldn't recommend buying that, but you know, you know, saying, you know. You know Try to get familiar with the stuff that you already know before you look into doing the cryptocurrencies because they're so volatile, I meaning that they go up and down so fast. You could lose a lot of money pretty quickly. Uh, Also, we didn't we didn't mention this, but but also with the trading accounts like the Thinker Swim, or that's the TD Ameritrade. Um, actually, even online, if you go on Yahoo Finance, no, no, I'm sorry. If you go like on some of that, you have to actually get an account. So, say for instance, you picked um, the Fidelity account. A lot of these will give you what we call, what they call paper trading, basically play money. And they actually, your account actually have like $250,000 in it paper money. So what we would recommend is that you start using that first before you actually start playing with real money, you know, because again, you don't want to, you know, you don't, you can make a lot of money, but you could also lose a lot of money with stock. So definitely be very cautious.
3: And I just want to add something real quick to what Brian said. Um, the one of the credos that we abide by in our personal investing is this: you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to go through this trial and error period. You're gonna win some, and you're gonna lose some. But always remember this: if you if you put two thousand dollars into an account and you buy investments, and you go and let's say two weeks later, you go in and you only have $1,000, most people as beginners would freak out and they'll take the $1,000 out and say, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to get what's left before it goes to zero. You did not lose $1,000. Okay? I'm going to repeat that. If you put $2,000 into an investing account, go in there next week, and it's only $1,000, you did not lose money. You lost value. There's a difference. There's a difference between losing value and a difference between losing money. Now, I know there are quite a few females on here tonight. So I'm going to ask you all a question. When you go to JCPenney and you see 70 to 80% off clearance, what does that mean? Hit it, right? Okay, if you have an Apple stock, if you buy 10 shares of Apple at $126, which is would it close that around that on Friday, uh, give or take a couple of dollars. If you buy Apple at 126, you have 10 shares, and you go inside your account on Monday, and each one of those shares is now valued at 80 bucks, most people are gonna start sweating, heart beating fast, ready to freak out and take out their money. Do you know what that means? You lost value temporarily too, because the stock market has never gone down and not gone back up. That's number one. And then number two, if your Apple stock dropped from 126 To 80, that means Apple stock is now on sale. So what that means is you need to start loading up if you have some extra money because when that goes back up to 126 and beyond, because you put money in when it was low, your return is going to be even greater. So always keep that in mind. You're not losing money. You're just losing temporary value. Okay, you lose money when you pull out what's left, because if you had two thousand dollars and now you only have a hundred, I mean, a thousand and you pull that thousand out, you'll never get your extra thousand back. You only lose money when you pull out what's left. And that's a word of advice.
1: Yes. Good stuff. Good advice. All right. Now we have Mr. Gerard with a question saying, can you talk a little about dollar cost averaging? Um, is it a good strategy?
3: Um, yes, dollar cost averaging is a good strategy and it's a an especially good strategy for young money folks. People like us, nine to five average workers, we don't have the money like the Warren Buffetts and the Jeff Bezos of the world, Ray Dalio, um, uh, and Stanley Druckenmiller, and these guys, we don't have their kind of money 10 billion, 20 billion, Mark Cuban. These guys drop 10, 20 million at a time into the stock market, right? And buy hundreds of things when they're low. We can't do that. So we have to systematically, over time, put small amounts of money into our investments. And that's dollar cost averaging. So, You're buying at specific intervals. For most people in the United States, you get paid every two weeks. So every two weeks, like Janissia said, let's for example, say a hundred bucks. You have a hundred bucks put in to Apple. So if Apple is at 126, when you get paid, boom, you buy it at 126. Next paycheck, Apple might be 110 boom, you're going to buy it at 110. So you're going to be able to buy a little bit more because it's cheaper. Next two weeks, it's at 156. You're going to be able to buy a little bit less because now it's more expensive. But the statistics have shown that over time, a dollar cost averaging strategy is better because it prompts reversion to the mean. So over time, basically what I'm saying, outside of all of that, stock market mumbo jumbo is that if you utilize a dollar cost averaging strategy where you buy over specific intervals of time, no matter what's going on in the market, you will win in this investing game. And that's dollar cost averaging.
1: Gerard, thank you for that, Mr. Howard. It's making more sense, like you say, to go with what you know stocks. So my next question is how Now do I go about getting the paper money to play with?
0: Oh yeah, so I I just dropped a few uh, companies in a chat for Lady KJ. Uh, Thinkorswim, E-Trade, TradeStation, Interactive Brokers. Uh, You basically have to open an account first and once you get that account, it'll give you a live account as well as a paper trading account. Um, I can't remember, I don't know if you're in the Bahamas or not, but definitely no Thinkorswim uh, e Trade, you won't be able to do in the Bahamas if that's where you are. Um, you should be able to do uh, an interactive broker's account. So just um, just give it a try, and then if if you can't get one, just uh, send us an email, and I'll see if I could locate one for you to try out. And that
1: information as well. Uh, next, we're just saying thank you, thank you. Um, yes, I'm in the Bahamas. That's one of the reasons why I never really bothered with trading to begin with. Okay, so. You hit it on the head with that one, Mr. Bryan. All great questions. Good information. And let's see. I think that was the last of the questions. Any other questions from anyone out there? Email. I'm not sure whose email he's asking for.
2: It's going to be the Young Money email. So go ahead, Mr. Johnson. You're muted. You're muted.
3: (laughs) Sorry. The email is going to be info at youngmoneysolutions.org. And that will go directly to our administrative assistant. And um, once you send your questions or comments, concerns or anything, uh, it will definitely get channeled to uh, the appropriate person who is best able to facilitate and answer your question. So info at youngmoneysolutions.org and it's going to be I think it's going to be put up on the screen at the end Um, and it was also in the flyer uh, and it should be on I don't know if it's on the I don't think it's on the investing terms but it should be it should be there but it's info at youngmoneysolutions.org We'll put it in the chat
1: Yes, it's in the chat Thank you, Miss Janisa All right, Gerard says thanks. And he's also asking, do you guys have a blog or how do we follow you? All right, Mr. Brian, that's you. Man, right, let me miss the Gerard guy sound. Right. we got no questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are good questions
0: because so, it's,
2: it's, on questions. it's on the next slide. It's on the next
0: slide. All those answers on the next slide, Mr. Gerard. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Can you click on presenter mode, Mr. Johnson, so we can see it a little bit bigger? Thanks. There we go. Here you go, everyone.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so for additional information, you can follow us on our Facebook or Instagram page, which is Young Money Solutions. Um, we are a 501c3 pending approval with the IRS. So as you all know, we are nonprofit, but we're seeking that official stamp. Um, And don't forget at the end of this um, presentation, we would like for you all to complete the post survey that will be emailed to you all. For those of you all that's not on the email list, we'll go ahead and text it to you as well. And donations are welcome. Like I said, we are a nonprofit. We don't charge for the information, but in order for us to stay afloat, to pay for our materials, to get prepared and so forth, um, you know, it takes money to run a business. So right now we're self-funded, but if you all are interested in donating or having your friends come on board to donate, we greatly appreciate it. Um, And we definitely thank each and every one of you all for taking time out of your busy schedule and joining us. Mr. Johnson?
3: Yes. And so just for those of you who don't know, 501c3 is a a designation by the IRS. And what it will do once we get approved any day now is we will have tax exempt status, you know, like other nonprofit organizations, particularly churches here in America. Um, We are pretty much self-funded. We do have uh, donors and sponsors, um, a few that are very generous and that help us out but we are always, um, you know, this is a great work and we do it all over the place and we cater to people that are in low um, income and minority communities. And so, as you can imagine, um, we don't only help with um, investment education, but, you know, we're going around the place where, you know, when we could have traveled, we traveled um, we're doing this stuff long distance, but materials and all of these things. So if you're ever feeling generous, no matter how small, no matter um, how big, we're always um, accepting and welcoming donations for this work. And you can rest assured that it is going to be used to facilitate this work. Once we get our 501 c 3 every year we're gonna have to let the IRS and the federal government know what we're doing with monies we receive. Um, Uh, And where it's going. And so um, we appreciate you all. Those of you who can give, don't feel bad and don't worry about it. Um, Your presence here is more than enough uh, in terms of support. And that has a value add as well. Yes, so and
2: Mr. Johnson, um, I tried to pull up your cash app, but my phone is not working at this current moment. for some well, reason.
3: Well, we'll 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 email everybody to let you know um, how you can um, send donations if you want to. I was trying to access the post survey just now from my email before I put it in presentation mode, but I wasn't able to. So hopefully, before we get off, I can put it in the chat. But I was not able to do that just now. It wouldn't open. Um, But with that said, we are now at the end and we appreciate you all so much. Um, Thank you very much for your time and your attendance and your attention. And on behalf of uh, our board of directors that's gonna be swearing in in January and taking their seats and um, our management and our staff, our executive leadership, uh, we wanna say uh, Happy holidays, season's greetings and Merry Christmas to you all and a happy new year. And we're going to see you all on the other side of 2020. Can't wait for it to end going into 2021 and uh, in January. Um, Look for those emails. Uh, We're going to be doing part three uh, sometime in January. So thank you all and God bless.